Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Wrestling from the Crowd. My name is Ray and this is episode 11. So I want to start this off by saying we've made it to 11 episodes. That's a lot more than I thought we'll make it to. So I just want to thank you to those who are continuing to support me, those who continue to download. I really appreciate you. We are at 450 plus downloads at the time of this recording. So thank you all of those who are still supporting me. I really appreciate it. And it makes me want to continue this journey. You know, sometimes, you know, you just want to give up and you know you just want to be like you know what i did it i've done it i'm okay with it but now the seeing seeing the continuous support just makes me want to keep going and go farther because people seem to really enjoy my podcast people do message me you also can message me on twitter at wrestling from or on facebook at ray Colazzo. so this week we're gonna start things off regularly as we always do we're gonna kick it off with monday night raw so this week's raw kicked off with miz and morrison hosting miz tv the guest was the new day we hear the miz say time will only tell when he's able to cash in so like we've been saying he's gonna cash in soon he doesn't really have that long to cash in so he has to move pretty quickly then randy orton interrupts randy orton then storms into the ring and says you think this is a reality show that is more important than my matches that i'm in he says that miz put him in the match to make it easier for him to cash in on him he says he remembers when they threw miz out the locker room he didn't want him back in and then said morrison ended up leaving to play in the minor leagues then orton begs the miz to take his shot and then Miz says he doesn't want to cash in on him at all so Orton is pissed off we know Orton when it comes to his promos he's more of a shoot guy he doesn't like to make his fake promos he likes to really go at them with his promos and it's true Miz did get kicked out of the locker room back in the days because he had something going on with him like they didn't like the way he was acting and you know he was still young he was still coming off of his reality tv show um real world he was still doing the diva search he was still young so I understand that Morrison ended up did leaving he went to impact he went to lucha underground he went to stuff like that i don't consider those things the minor leagues but those who are in wwe or have been in wwe for a long time considers the independent circuit or anything other than wwe the minor leagues so i kind of don't agree with randy Orton on that or morrison did make his own career on the outside of wwe we then see the new they come out and say they have to come out and laugh at them in person then they enter the ring and then randy Orton hits kofi kingston with an rko instantly and then miz and morrison begin to attack xavier woods we then see drew McIntyre come out and him and Orton begin to brawl. Drew gets the upper hand but Miz hits him with that money in the bank briefcase and then they ship him off to Randy Orton who hits an RKO on Drew McIntyre. So these guys are still, these guys are still going at it. Randy Orton, Drew McIntyre. This isn't over by a long shot until Drew McIntyre gets his title back. He already said it. No matter what, even if they're on the same building whether this is over or not, he's going to beat Randy Orton up every single day. And then we see Miz Morrison and Randy Orton walk off on the apron and Miz is just, you know, getting stared at by Randy Orton. Even Orton is staring at that briefcase. He's like, yeah, you think you're going to cash this in on me? And I don't think he's going to cash in on him. I think they're just going to wait for it. I don't think a baby, I mean, a heel is going to cash in on another heel at the moment. But I'm sure this will continue on till later on tonight. Now we move to a second chance qualifying match for those who lost their qualifying matches. It is Riddle versus Jeff Hardy versus Elias. We've seen Elias testing that if Hardy would ruin his performance, he starts to play a key no Jeff Hardy. He starts to sing a little bit just to test it. No Jeff Hardy. And then when he really starts to get into the performance and begin it, Jeff Hardy's music hits and he gets interrupted once again. I think this is pretty funny between these two. I'm sure their rivalry is over or maybe it's not, but the way it's looking, it might not be over so much as we think. But we move on to the match now. We see Elias starts the match by attacking Hardy. Then Riddle gets involved and all men try to get quick pins multiple times. We see Elias in control after taking out both men on the outside 
outside. We also see AJ Styles is watching this match. We know AJ Styles is a self-proclaimed team captain of Team Raw, so he's trying to see who's going to join his team at Survivor Series. We see Hardy finally begin to build some well-needed momentum. Jeff then goes for the twist of fate, but Elias reverses it into the drift away. Then he pins, but Riddle breaks it up with a senton. We see all men battling late in the match to gain the advantage, and then we see Hardy and Riddle battling it out, and then Elias comes out of nowhere, lifting a knee to Jeff Hardy's face. Then he tries to Irish whip Matt Riddle into the corner. Excuse me, let me not call him Matt Riddle, because that's not his name anymore. His name is just Riddle, for those of you who don't know, so which is pretty dumb, but it's just Riddle now. But we see Riddle, who counters Elias, and then tries to vault over Riddle, but he catches him, and he hits the bro Derek to join Team Raw. So we seen that Sheamus beat Matt Riddle, or Riddle, excuse me again, in his qualifying match, and now Riddle gets to qualify, and he is the last member to join Team Raw. So, I mean, I guess that's a good addition to the team. I mean, that, that was pretty much NXT, Team NXT last year. So, uh, they have some chemistry there. And I hope that the rest of Team Raw likes that Matt Riddle or Riddle is on their team. We then pan to the back where AJ Styles and Adam Pearce are talking. Then when asked what they were talking about, he says nothing, that they're just talking, you know, regular friend stuff. Then he says Riddle was the missing piece. And then we see Sheamus interrupt and says he doesn't want Riddle on the team at all. And he's going to kick his head off. Then Styles says, we need a team meeting. Charlie then asks, how is AJ as a team captain? And Sheamus replies, he's not my captain. Then we see Braun Strowman come on nowhere and says, he's not my captain either. So none of these guys are accepting AJ Styles as their captain, as the self-proclaimed captain. I mean, AJ Styles could be the captain of me. I don't mind it. He, he can be captain all he wants. But these guys don't seem to want that. So we're going to have a Raw Survivor Series team meeting later. We then head to a retribution promo where Ali says, Ricochet is a good man. He's an honorable man. He says he chose to stand alone even when the Hurt Business offered a hand. He applauds him, but he's still a damn fool thinking he can make a change alone. He says he needs to accept that's a lie, and he realized. And then, when he realizes that, that they will accept him. So, we see that the Hurt Business, you know, they offered their hand to Ricochet a long time ago. He disapproved of that. He said, I don't want to join you, and that's when Cedric Alexander joined. And I don't know if that's going to happen with Retribution. I don't know if Retribution is going to offer a hand to Ricochet if they see that, you know, he wants to make that change not just alone anymore but with a group so we do another backstage promo with the hurt business they're speaking about last week and then drew gulag tries to join the hurt business he says you know mvp you know you're the manager and then bobby lash is the u.s champion uh shelton benjamin and Cedric alexander are going to be the future tag team champions and then mvp says you know what they, we're not really accepting applications at this time and then bobby tries to grab him by the tie and the tie rips off and they're all looking at him like really a clip on tie you're going to step up to the best dressed men and WWE with a clip on tie and then Bobby says you know what boys you know what to do and then they start to attack Drew Gulag then we see the Hurt Business begin to leave and then you can see R-Truth sneaking in the back to make sure they're gone then he climbs on top and pins Drew Gulag 1-2-3 to win back his 24-7 championship I personally cannot wait to see till this title just disintegrates and goes away forever because it's just become a waste of time as a title and I think these, these title spots these little title changes are just fillers because Raw doesn't know what to do at this point in time they lost raw underground and that was their 10 o'clock slot so they still have to make up a lot of time for that you know hour gone from raw underground so now we move on to the next match which is lana versus Shayna baszler they also start the match by showing lana's table streak she's at seven so let's hope we can keep the streak going we see the bell ring then lana tries to jump on Shayna baszler but she ends up getting tossed off and baszler starts to beat up on lana we see lana can't build any momentum then she eats a knee from baszler who goes for the pin but she ends up breaking up her 
own pin to lock on that Karafuda clutch to end up tapping Lana out. We see Naya then clear off that announce table to keep the streak alive. And when she was about to put Lana through the table, we see Dana Brooke and Mandy Rose save Lana. So, so far, the streak is in jeopardy. Will we see Lana go through an announce table tonight? Then we head backstage where we see Lana thanking Mandy and Dana for saving her. They said they did it to send a message to Shayna and Lana, but they tell Lana that she cost them those tag team titles, so she should stay out their way next time. And she did. She did cost them those tag team titles, trying to get those tag belts off of Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax. She ended up costing Dana and Mandy, so she needs to stay out the way, and maybe Mandy needs to just go away from Dana Brooke altogether, all but that's, that's, that's just me. Like I said, it's always going to be me. Now, we move on to the Raw team meeting. Styles says Raw will defeat SmackDown because they have a phenomenal captain. Styles then introduces his team Raw to the ring. They all talking, and then Styles says that they're fighting because they were missing a piece, and that piece was Riddle. Then we hear Keith Lee says he owes Styles a receipt for attacking him from behind last week. Then Sheamus says, you're one to talk. You did the same exact thing. Then we hear all men start to argue, and Riddle says he has an idea. They should all have code names. Then he gives everyone their code names. He calls AJ Styles the skipper. He calls Braun Strowman a mongoose. He calls Keith Lee Broly. Get it? Broly from Dragon Ball Z. We obviously know Keith Lee's a big anime fan. He calls Sheamus Fireface, which pisses him off. And then he says, is this a ginger joke? He walks up to Matt Riddle and says, what's your nickname? Dopey? And then Riddle goes, yeah, how'd you guess, bro? And then AJ Styles like, listen, we don't need code names. We're going up against the best guys on SmackDown. He says, if you guys don't want to lose at Survivor Series, you gotta stop fighting each other. Then he says, as team captain, and then everyone at the same time says, you're not team captain. Then AJ Styles says, you know what? I have a plan B. I talked to Adam Pearce, and you know what? Now we're gonna have ourselves an impromptu tag team match between Sheamus and Braun Strowman versus Matt Riddle and Keith Lee. And then he says he's gonna be the special guest referee. So we have Sheamus and Strowman versus Keith Lee and Riddle. We see Sheamus and Keith Lee lock up early. Then Riddle makes the blind tag on Lee to try to continue that control, but Sheamus ends up lifting him into the corner so Strowman could get tagged in. Strowman then holds the control. We see Riddle try to build some momentum, then Styles forcing him to break a submission while Sheamus had the rope, let Sheamus take control. But Sheamus later gets distracted, which lets Riddle regain control. We see Styles get hit three times accidentally, two by Riddle, and then he gets squashed by Lee and Strowman. Then AJ Styles' associate steps in the ring, but AJ stops him. So we thought we was finally going to see AJ's associate step in and finally fight, but nope, that didn't happen. AJ Styles stopped that. We then come back from commercial where Sheamus is in control, and him and Strowman held the control with frequent tags. We then see a Keith Lee hot tag. Lee tosses Sheamus into Strowman. Then he uses his own partner Riddle while doing the spirit bomb to hit Sheamus. So he hit the spirit bomb in his own partner to make sure Sheamus would stay down. We see the end match was Sheamus late match hits Keith Lee with a bro kick, but he can't take control. Then he sets up for a bro kick to hit Riddle, but Strowman ends up blind tagging him. Then we see Strowman and him go at it, but AJ Styles says, you know what, just let it go, let it go. And then Strowman attacks Riddle. He then sets him up for a power slam, but then he gets blind tagged by Sheamus. Then they argue once again, and AJ Styles says, well, it's fair, it's fair, you both did it, so just move on. We see Braun Strowman then get out the ring and go on the apron, but then he eats a bro kick by Sheamus, and then Sheamus gets rolled up by Matt Riddle. So their feud, their little distraction caused Matt Riddle and Keith Lee to win this match. I don't think that Sheamus and Braun Strowman can coexist. Raw looks like they're sinking, but also Team SmackDown is sinking in a way too because Jay Uso, you know, with the Kevin uh, Kevin Owens stuff and him aligning himself with Roman Reigns, I'm sure a lot of people won't take any exception to that. So both teams are in shambles, so 
I don't even know who's gonna win this year. Now we move to a backstage segment where Alexa's backstage plucking flowers. Then Nikki Cross approaches her. Alexa says she hasn't seen her in forever. Nikki says, you seen me last week, you don't remember? Then Cross says she's sorry she wasn't there for her. Then she says it's time for her to make a choice, either her or him. And then Alexa blows those flowers she was plucking in, a, in Nikki Cross's face and says, I choose him and then walks away. So we're gonna see a feud between Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss. I'm telling you, it's gonna happen either. Nikki Cross's story is gonna be she's gonna try to save Alexa or, you know, this is just gonna happen eventually. I know it is. We see that the Hurt Business will receive a tag team title match next week on Raw. So we can have a change at Survivor Series. It could be Street Profits versus the Hurt Business, which I much prefer to see than the New Day versus the Street Profits, but that's just me. Then we move back to the ring where we see Bobby Lashley and MVP talking about their matches at Survivor Series. Well, just Bobby Lashley's match because MVP clearly doesn't have a match. MVP says it will not be New Day versus Street Profits. It will be the Hurt Business versus the Street Profits. Then Bobby will ragdoll Sammy to prove that the US title is better than the Intercontinental Championship. Then Titus interrupts, still mad that the Hurt Business attacked him weeks ago. Then MVP says, I'll give you an opportunity to walk away, but Titus doesn't. Then Bobby says, you know what? You're stupid. MVP respects you, but I don't. And you know what? Since I don't defend my title, I'm going to give you an opportunity. So we have our first title match on Raw since Class of Champions. That was two months ago. So the US title hasn't been defended at all within the past two months. So we have ourselves an impromptu US title match between Bobby Lashley and Titus O'Neil. We see MVP try to distract Titus, but it doesn't work. Then we see Titus take the attack to Bobby Lashley, who couldn't get off any offense until he hits a spear out of nowhere. Then he locks on the Hurt Lock to instantly tap out Titus. So this was a, a squash match. They let Titus have his little moment. They want the US title to be defended. It was just a little tuna match for Bobby Lashley. I hope that it's not a short match between him and Sammy at Survivor Series, but I feel like it's going to be. We then head backstage where we see Sheamus approach Drew McIntyre. He says, you should have joined the team. Look at this team. Look at who we have now. Then Drew says, maybe you shouldn't kick your tag team partners. Then Drew tries to tear up Sheamus, you know, by reminiscing who says he hates his tag team partners. Then they reminisce a little more and then they go their separate ways. Now, do I feel like a feud is incoming? I do. I don't know. This is like the third, third or second week in a row that they had these two like interacting backstage. So I feel like there's going to be a feud coming. These two do have history. They were a tag team back in the day. So I know these two will fight each other sooner than later. We move on to the next match, which is Asuka versus Nia Jax. We see Asuka quickly goes on the attack earlier. Then Nia changes the tide when she smashes her into the barricade. We see that Nia is trying to prove why she should be team captain. She says she deserves it and she's the only one suitable to be captain of the Raw women's team. We see Asuka then start to build some momentum. Then Nia stops it with a power bomb. Then goes to pick up Asuka, but then she locks on an armbar. Then the women for some reason get on the apron. Then Shayna ends up locking on the Carafuda Clutch Talano. Once again, we see Asuka then knock them both off. Nia tries to take advantage of the distraction, but Asuka reverses and locks on the Asuka lock. Then we see Shayna come in and attack Asuka so she doesn't have to tap out Nia. Then Dana and Mandy come in. They start to attack Shayna Baszler. And then Nia ends up fighting off everybody and saving Shayna Baszler. Then she throws out Mandy who takes a nasty spill when she's throwing out the ring. It's also confirmed that uh, Mandy Rose kind of had an injury because of this spot. Now a lot of people are saying that Nia is unsafe. Yes, Nia is unsafe sometimes, but I don't think this was truly on her. I think it was the way Mandy threw her own self out the ring. Yeah, she was launched, but she the way she threw and turned her body was just so awkward and she ended up landing on her shoulder. So it's possible that Mandy Rose could miss Survivor Series, but it's just, you know, just the 
the injury reports right now. She might be cleared by Survivor Series, which is two weeks or a week away. So we'll just have to wait and see. Hopefully she's not injured. And then we see Nia clear off the table and she puts Lana through it to keep the streak alive. So now we are up to eight weeks in a row where Lana has been put through a table. They need to keep this streak going. And this team, this is another team that's in shambles. Raw right now is just in shambles totally. And it's both the men and women's team. The SmackDown women's team isn't that formed yet. It's just Bianca Belair and Ruby Riot so far. And I don't see any shambles in them so far. So the women's might have the advantage this time on SmackDown. Then we head backstage to a Garza promo. He's stating that he fights to show all the women they deserve better and the rest of the men in the world. So Garza's still doing this lovey-dovey promos and showing that all this other stuff. When he could be wrestling, this is just a waste of talent like WWE always does. They'd rather have him cut a promo on all the girls in the world and what he does for them and what he can do for them than have him out there wrestling, and which is dumb. So hopefully we get to see Garza wrestle next week and maybe they can let this stupid little storyline with his love go. Now we move on to a seven-way 24-7 title match. Now let me tell you, this match is going to be a lot of confusion. So I'm going to try to explain this as best as I can. So make sure you pay attention because there was nine title changes in this match. That's probably the most title changes in history. So like I said, the 24-7 title is just the filler for Raw Underground not being there. They probably have nothing to do. So what better way to waste my time than have nine title changes in one match? So I'm going to try to explain this match. So keep up. We see everyone attack Truth when the match starts. Then he crawls away. So Zawa ends up hitting him with a kick while everyone was distracted to pin Truth. Then we see the new 24-7 champion Akira Tozawa try to leave, but Eric rolls him up to win the title. We then see Eric leave, and then Drew Gulag rolls him up to win the title. He then goes in the ring and then gets rolled up by Tucker to win the title, but Drew ends up rolling Tucker up once again to win the title back. Then we see Tucker roll Drew Gulag up to win the title once again, so Tucker is now a two-time 24-7 champion. Then Tucker tries to fight off all men. We then see Metalik hit a splash on Tucker to win the title. We then see Lince Dorado raise Grand Metalik's hand and then roll him up to win the title. Then they argue and Truth pushes Lince into Grand Metalik and then he hits the AA on Lince Dorado to win the championship back and then he runs away. So do you see how many title changes were in there? There were so many. You had Akira Tozawa who pinned Truth early and then he was rolled up by Eric and then Eric was rolled up by Gulag. Gulag and Tucker exchanged roll-ups four times and then Lince Dorado ended up rolling up his own partner who had won it from Tucker. It was so many title changes in this match. I don't know who didn't get confused, but this was just a waste of time. I didn't think this match needs to be necessary at all. Now we're going to move on to the co-main event of the evening. Mustafa Ali versus Ricochet. Ali before the match says, if you join me, I can save you. Then Ricochet throws a right hand knocking Ali down. Then he starts to trash talk Ali and Ali pulled him into the turnbuckle to take control. We see that Ali gave retribution their names and their looks so people can know what it feels like to be judged. And they can know what it feels like to be judged because Ali claims that he was judged for his name Mustafa Ali and I don't think he was judged by it by people. I think that's what he just feels like. It's just a stereotype in the world. But he wants to give Retribution those terrible names so that way they can feel like he felt. They're trying to give it a little backstory so people could be like, oh my god, T-Bar, Slapjack, Mace, Reckoning, stupid. But Ali gives you like a little story behind it so that way you could probably try to get along with it. We then see Ricochet try to build up some momentum. Then the fight spills onto the apron and Ricochet gives Ali a head scissors to the floor and then Retribution surrounds Ricochet. We then come back from commercial break and Ali is in control. Then Ricochet builds some momentum with a dragon suplex. We see both men battling for control late in the match until Ricochet hits a Northern Lights brain buster combo. Ricochet puts Ali at the top rope. Ali
Ali tries to fight it off, but raking the eyes. Then he hits an avalanche lung blower on Ricochet for a near fall. We see Ali taunts Ricochet. Then he eats a forearm. Then a reverse Rana. He then goes for a dive. Instead of hitting it on Ali, he takes out Retribution. Then he goes back to Ali. He goes for a Phoenix Splash, but Ali moves. Then he locks on the Koji Clutch, and then Ricochet passes out. He doesn't tap. He doesn't give up. He just passes out. So, you know, we see Ricochet taking a loss, and Ali finally picking up a win since he's joined Retribution. I guess maybe now they're going to try to build up Retribution. Maybe they're done with the Hurt Business. I hope they are, and I just hope Ricochet doesn't try to join Retribution, or they try to write Ricochet into Retribution, because I just won't be a fan of it. Then they'll probably change Ricochet's whole gimmick. They'll change his name to something dumb, and I do not want to see that. So we head backstage where we see Adam Pearce telling Randy Orton he will face Drew McIntyre, and he will defend that WWE Championship next week. And then Randy Orton ends up pinning Adam Pearce against the wall and says, you can tell everyone who told you that to go to hell. So next week, we will see Drew McIntyre versus Randy Orton for the WWE Championship. And I feel like Randy Orton will lose it and we'll have Roman Reigns versus Drew McIntyre at Survivor Series. And then that's probably when The Miz will cash in. But that's just my prediction. That's my opinion. It could totally go a different route. We can see Randy Orton retain the title and then Miz will cash in on him. But like I said, I don't feel like they should have a heel cash in on a heel at the moment. So it, there's so many possibilities on they could do this because I don't ever see The Miz cashing in on The Fiend or I don't see the, the, the Fiend really getting a title shot right now, but he will eventually. So there's a lot they can do with this storyline. Now we move on to the main event of the evening, which is New Day and Drew McIntyre versus Randy Orton, The Miz, and John Morrison. We see Morrison charges Drew to eat a punch, which knocks him down. Then he flings him into the corner for some chops and then tags in Woods, who keeps the momentum going. We see Orton didn't accept any Morrison tags, so Miz comes in and Kofi gets the control fast. Then Miz tried to retreat and tag Orton, but then again, he did not want to accept any tags. Miz then yells at him and says, we're a team before tagging in Morrison. We see the New Day take out Miz and Morrison. Then we see Orton just sitting on the announce table and Drew begging him to come in. Miz and Morrison finally build some momentum while Orton avoids all conflict, which he does constantly throughout this match. We see McIntyre finally got the hot tag. Then he started throwing Miz and Morrison around while constantly staring at Randy Orton. He then gives John Morrison a future shock DDT and then he puts him in the corner of Randy Orton so Randy Orton could tag in. We then see Randy Orton looked as if he was going to make the tag but he faked it. He dropped off the apron and then walked away. Then Drew distracted Morrison rolled him up with his feet on the ropes and then Wood stopped it. We see Miz then take out him and then Morrison did an outside dive to Kofi and then he tried to springboard on Drew who delivers a Glasgow kiss in midair and then hits the Claymore for the win and then he just stares at Randy Orton. So Randy Orton avoided all conflict. Such a heel move. He did not have any part in this match. He didn't attack. He didn't do nothing. There wasn't a surprise RKO out of nowhere. He did absolutely nothing. And I'm sure if there was a crowd, they would have been booing him completely. But Randy has to accept that he can't get away from Drew McIntyre. Next week, they will do battle and there's no running from that. So that ends Raw. Now, my takeaways from Raw was there's no Firefly Funhouse this week. How are you building up the Fiend and stuff, but no Firefly Funhouse? The only time we've seen any hint of the Firefly Funhouse was when Drew McIntyre and Sheamus were communicating. If you were paying attention, you could see Mercy the Buzzard in the background. So maybe he's stalking Drew McIntyre now. And then you've seen Alexa Bliss, obviously. But other than that, there was no Firefly Funhouse this week. Also, you know, I want to see what's going to happen between The Miz and Orton. Will Orton retain or will, will Orton lose that title next week to Drew McIntyre? So it's going to, it's, it's kind of interesting to see what's going to happen on Raw. This week sure really wasn't that interesting. The only really good match on there was Ali and Ricochet. That was a really good 
good match. And I think that's the only thing that I like this week on Raw. Besides the table streak staying alive, that's pretty much the only thing. Now we're going to move on to NXT. NXT this week kicked off with Johnny Gargano showing us the wheel of challengers. He says a Halloween Havoc, he made history becoming the first ever two-time North American champion. And then he says he's lost both titles on his first try and he wants to get rid of that curse. Then he says where there's a wheel, there's a way. We all know that Johnny Gargano hates wheels. So the fact that this is happening clearly shows that there's something going on. He then spins the wheel and it lands on Leon Ruff and it, it clearly, clearly shows that it's rigged. So we get Leon Ruff versus Johnny Gargano for the North American Championship. We see Leon slip early and then Johnny puts on a beating. We see Ruff try to build some momentum but is quickly shut down by Gargano who launches him into the steel step, then the barricade. But then we learn that Priest is in the crowd which caused Gargano to try and taunt him and then that distraction almost got him rolled up. We see Johnny Gargano then hit a clothesline and then a vicious lawn dart. He then goes for a super kick but he took too much time taunting and Leon Ruff counters it into a crucifix pin to pin Johnny Gargano to become the new North American Championship. And then my face was just like what? What just happened? And they really have Johnny Gargano really lose to Leon Ruff on national television? I don't even know what to say about this. I don't even see this coming. The general direction they want to go on with this. It's just crazy. Johnny Gargano just can't catch a break and the streak I guess continues. He's still cursed. This guy cannot defend the championship without losing it. After the match we see Priest. He gives Ruff his keys. He says go take my black dog challenger. Get out of here because if Johnny Gargano catches you he's going to try to beat you up. Then Johnny Gargano comes in looking heated. He's looking for Ruff. Then he pushes Priest and blames him. He says if you was never out there I would have never lost my title. Then things get heated. Damian Priest is like that's your fault. You made the match. This was your idea. Johnny then says who idea was this? And everyone knows I hate wheels. Then Priest says it was your idea idiot again. So Johnny Gargano clearly doesn't want to take responsibility that this was his idea and he didn't think that this was going to be the outcome. He thought he was just going to get over on a guy you know Leo Ruff and you know he was going to win his title and could continue to have his reign but that wasn't the case at all. This was just a shocker to me. I still don't know what to think about this. I don't know if something's going to happen later where he's going to win the championship back but at this point Ruff is the, the North American champion and I don't even know how to take that. I mean congrats to him. I just wonder how long he's going to hold it for. I don't even think he's going to last till like next month. I think maybe next week he's going to lose it to somebody either it's Johnny Gargano or Damian Priest. I just don't know. I'm truly confused at where they're trying to go with this storyline. I guess we'll just have to wait and see. After that we move on to the next match which is Santos Escobar versus Jake Atlas for the Cruiserweight Championship. This match started off with a quick start from Jake Atlas. He was able to get control early until he gets distracted by Legado Del Fantasma to lose it. We then see Santos Escobar take control but then Atlas begins to build some momentum then Mendoza and Wild attack but Atlas fights them off using a pipe. Then Atlas continues to focus on Escobar then gets a near fall. We see Escobar retreat to the outside. When we come back from break we see that Mendoza and Wild gets ejected and are sent to the back. We see then Santos Escobar regain control until Atlas starts to build some momentum once again but his aerial offense began to cost him when Escobar pushed him from the top turnbuckle to the outside. The end match we see Jake Atlas break the 10 count then he tries multiple pin attempts on Santos Escobar then he hits a flurry he then goes for a cartwheel DDT but Escobar counters it into a butterfly face buster to retain his cruiserweight championship. So this was a pretty decent match it wasn't like off the walls it wasn't crazy but it was a solid match for these two men we all know Santos Escobar could put on a, a classic if he wanted to he's done it with uh, Isaiah Swerve Scott but this one was just okay 
okay. We wanted to see Jake Atlas, you know, do a little more than he usually does, but he didn't do that much in this match. I guess they were trying to tone it down a little bit because it's on TV. It's not a takeover. But Jake Atlas did get his shot at the NXT Cruiserweight Championship, and he did not take it. So, you know, kudos to Santos Escobar for a successful defense. But now, what's next for Santos Escobar? Do they bring over Jordan Devlin from NXT UK and have these two guys fight it out to see who truly is the NXT Cruiserweight Champion? Or maybe, just maybe, they might do another Worlds Collide if, you know, COVID allows it to, and then that's where they'll have them defend it. So I don't truly know what's next for the Cruiserweight Championship. So once again, we'll have to wait and see. Then they pan to the back where we see Dexter Loomis is drawing Cameron Grimes running from a zombie ref. And you can see that something's going to happen to this painting. They wouldn't just show it just to show it. We obviously know something's going to happen. After that, we move to the next match, which is Raquel Gonzalez versus Zia Lee. We then hear Zia Lee's music, but Boa comes out instead of Zia Lee. Then Boa says she's not here tonight. Then Boa tries to leave, then receives a big boot from Raquel Gonzalez. Then she just beats him senseless to send the message. After she leaves, the lights go out, and then we see a dragon like flying around the NXT arena. Then Fog pops up from the ramp, and then a man walks down and hands a letter to Boa, then places a mark on his hand and then leaves. Who was that? I have no idea who that was. I don't know if now they're trying to do like a triad storyline. Maybe Zia Lee's family is captured, like I said weeks ago. Maybe this is like a gangster little story, like a little Yakuza storyline. So I, I'm kind of interested to see where this goes. I'm not going to downplay it before I see it. So let's just wait and see how this story plays out before we can really discuss it. We then head backstage where we see Austin Gray, Timothy Thatcher's student from like two weeks ago who attacked Thatcher. We see Thatcher finally attacking from behind while he's being interviewed. He throws him into Dexter Loomis's artwork and then Loomis gives him a cold gaze. I told you there's no way they're showing that painting and nothing's going to happen to it. So I'm pretty sure tonight we're going to get a Dexter Loomis versus Timothy Thatcher match just because of this picture. The next match on the card was Tony Storm versus Candice LeRae. We see both women battle for control early with exchange of multiple holds. Storm then begins to build some momentum and then Candice slips to the outside. She's positioned in front of the steel steps. Then Tony tries to hit a hip attack, but Candice LeRae moves, letting Tony crash into the steel steps. Once again, neither woman is fully able to grasp control. Then Candice rolls up Storm using the ropes to pick up the victory. Then Storm, after the match, attacks Candice LeRae because she cheated using the ropes. Then we see that screen character from Halloween Havoc makes the save. She then starts to attack Tony Storm. And then Shotzi Blackheart comes out and takes out the screen character and starts to attack Candice LeRae. But the screen character proved to be a big factor taking out Shotzi. Then they hit the Twisted Sister. Then we see the Scream character take the mask off and it appears to be Indy Hartwell. How many of us did not know that? If you didn't know that, you haven't been watching. It, we all knew it was clearly Indy Hartwell. She got them a new TV. She was in the car when they destroyed the tank of Shotzi Blackheart. She clearly helped Johnny Gargano. It looked like two different Scream characters, you know, with Johnny and Candice LeRae. So I don't know if there's a guy Scream character and a female one, but we knew Indy Hartwell was going to be the one helping Candice LeRae. So we clearly know what direction they're going with this. I feel a tag team match just brewing in the wake. It's going to be Shotzi and Tony Storm versus Indy Harwell and Candice LeRae sooner than later, probably next week, and that will probably solve most of the things. Then we'll most likely get Shotzi Blackheart versus Candice LeRae again just because she destroyed her tank. After that, we get a Rio Ripley Io Shirai video package just to, you know, build up that feud, make it more intense. You know, we all know that Rhea Ripley never got her title shot after WrestleMania. We know these two women can go, and I think it's going to be an incredible match when these two women finally collide. This buildup was perfect. It lets you know that these two women are ready to do anything and willing to go through anything
anything to be the NXT Women's Champion and the face of the whole division. So I can't wait till this match happens. I hope it happens real soon. The next match on the card was Timothy Thatcher versus Dexter Loomis. We see Loomis going to attack early with a Luthez press. We see Thatcher then finally build some momentum by attacking the ankle of Dexter Loomis. We all know that Dexter Loomis had that ankle injury a couple months ago, so we knew it was going to play a factor in this match, and it was going to be a main target for Timothy Thatcher. We then see Timothy Thatcher tosses Dexter Loomis, but it barely fazed him as he just stares and slides to Timothy Thatcher, who then locks on an ankle lock. We then see Loomis build up some momentum, then he hits a spine buster and appears to hurt his arm. Then Thatcher takes full advantage when Loomis goes to the outside. Then we see Thatcher crash Loomis's arm into a ring post. So his main focus is that ankle and that injured arm so far. We see Loomis finally build some momentum and then he hits a swanton from the top even though Thatcher tried to stop him. Then Cameron Grimes comes out to distract Dexter Loomis which allows Thatcher to lock on a submission. Then he turns that submission into a pin attempt to beat Dexter Loomis. Just when you think a feud is over, a feud is never over. Cameron Grimes then goes on the attack. He then puts a sack over the face of Dexter Loomis so he doesn't have to look at those cold, starey eyes. Then he starts to continuing the attack. He taunts Loomis. He's like, look at me, look at me. We all know he has that sack on his face, so obviously he can't see him. And then he says, I'm not scared of you anymore. And then he puts Dexter Loomis on top of a chair and hits the cave-in and then walks away. So I'm pretty sure this rivalry is going to drag on to next week and they're probably going to fight once again. I don't think that Cameron Grimes wants to fight Dexter Loomis again after what happened at Halloween Havoc. I think that was a really good match. And, you know, Cameron Grimes did play it really well. And I think him covering Dexter Loomis' face tonight, you know, just showed that he still suffered from those effects, that he's still a little afraid. So we'll just have to wait till next week to see how they continue that story. After that, we head backstage where Gargano is at Regal's office. He tells him to reverse the call that he made tonight. Well, not him, but just the call of Leo Ruff actually winning that North American Championship. Then he says he's the one who rigged the reel. It was supposed to be a joke. Then Regal says, I guess the curse is still alive and then slams the door in Donnie Gargano's face. So there is no overturning of Leo Ruff's win. He is still your North American champion. Like I said, it probably won't last that long, but he got the win over Johnny Gargano tonight. So that's pretty big for his career. Then we head to another backstage segment with Champa. He says he's approaching his 16 years in his business. He's trained with guys like Killer Kowalski, guys who didn't show that they were tough or deserved anything. He says everyone in this locker room thinks they're tough and that they walk around complaining till they get what they want. He says the culture will change and he is that change the culture needs. So Champa has been doing this for a really long time. I've been watching Champa since PWG and he was really doing like amazing stuff back then on the independent circuit. I didn't know he trained with Killer Kowalski at all. I know Kazarian trained with Killer Kowalski. So I didn't know Champa did as well. So that's pretty interesting to know. But Champa, he he's going to take over NXT. He's going to get back to the top. He's making his way there. He's not complaining. He's showing that he deserves to be at the top of the business and he's been doing it for 16 years. So there's no complaints over here. Now we move on to the main event of the evening. It's Oni and Danny Burch versus Brizongo for the NXT Tag Team titles. We see Pat McAfee is on commentary. We also learned before this match that next week Finn Balor will speak. He'll tell us the state of the NXT Championship. I hope it's nothing but good news. It would suck that he would have to relinquish that title because of an injury. So I hope that next week he tells us like, yeah, I'm coming back. My jaw is 100% healed and I will be coming back to NXT to reclaim his throne. That's all I want to hear. I don't want to hear anything else. If he has to relinquish that title, I will just be so upset. I need him to hold this title for a little longer. So now we head back to the match. We see Oni and Danny attack as soon as the bell rings. Then the fight spills to the outside and we see Brizongo finally fight back. We see Brizongo in control until Danny counters to make the tag to Oni who instantly loses control. Then Brizongo 
Dango makes frequent tags. The fight then spills back to the outside and Breeze launches Oni into Pat McAfee. We see both teams can't fully take control. We see Danny and Oni take control during picture in picture until a Fandango hot tag. We see Breeze was gonna dive on Danny but Pete Dunne moves Danny. Then Fandango dives on Pete and Danny Burch. At the end match we see Pat McAfee get on the apron to distract the ref. Then Drake Maverick comes out of nowhere. He takes a shot at Danny Burch knocking him off the top rope. Then Pat McAfee. But then Pete blasts Maverick from behind. He then picks up Pat McAfee, throws him in the ring to distract the ref to take out Breeze. Then Oni and Danny hit their finishing move to retain the tag team titles. All around it was a solid match. We've seen a more serious Breezango. And I, like I said, I always like a more serious Breezango. I hate the jokes. I like when they actually fight because they're two talented wrestlers. They don't need the jokes. They'll be a, a serious tag team if, you know, they stop the jokes. But after the match, we see Drake Maverick attack. He tried to fight them, but the numbers game was too much. Then Breezango tries to help, but they couldn't. They were outnumbered. We see Pat McAfee then set up for the punt kick. He ends up hitting the punt kick on Fandango, who was laid on the announce table, held by the rest of the kings of the NXT. And then we see the kings of NXT standing tall. So I want to point out that there was no UE tonight. No Roddy, no Adam, no Bobby, no Kyle. So I think they're trying to marinate this a little bit. They're trying to make us, you know, like enjoy the kings of NXT until the UE finally arrive. Because we know when the UE arrives, our focus is going to be on them. And we want them to win. I guess they're trying to have these kings of NXT grow on you. I mean, it's Pete Dunne, Oni Lorcan, and Danny Burch. They already grew on me before the kings of NXT. I still don't like Pat McAfee. There's probably people out there who love Pat McAfee, but I'm still not a fan of him yet. Maybe I will be eventually. He did have a good match against Adam Cole at TakeOver 30. It was a really good match. It was a great match for a debut against a huge superstar like Adam Cole. So hopefully we'll see the UE soon because if not, they're just going to keep marinating us so that way we're forced to like them or at least get along with this storyline. But when the UE does return, it's going to be a war. It's going to be a nice eight-man tag team match and it's going to be a hell of a match. I'm pretty sure of it. So now we are finished with NXT. It wasn't that good of a show this week. I'm really disappointed. NXT is usually super, super interesting, but this week it really wasn't that interesting. It was okay. I mean, Tony Storm was good. We've seen La Galde Fantasma. We've seen Santo Escobar retain the championship. They could have did so much more this week. I feel like this week was a little off. Maybe next week will be a lot better. So we'll just have to wait and see. So now we're going to move on to NXT UK. NXT UK kicked off with The Hunt versus Kenny Williams and Amir Jordan. We've seen both teams battling for control early. Then we see Jordan and Williams turn the match in their favor with frequent tags and good tag team offense. We see Boar then launches Williams into the air from the apron to the ground to take control. We see the hunt in control for quite some time. It's been, it was a long time before Amir and Williams even start to build some momentum until Williams finally builds enough momentum to make the hot tag to Amir Jordan. We see Amir Jordan then go for his finisher late match, but Boar counters it with the clothesline. He then knocks Williams off the apron and then the hunt hit their double headbutt finisher for the win. We know that last week the hunt betrayed Flash Morgan, Webster, and Mark Andrews to join Eddie Dennis's little uh, whatever you want to call it because you know he's trying to do the same thing with Pretty Deadly but I don't think Pretty Deadly wants anything to do with them which is why he got the hunt. So now we move on to the next match which is Jack Stars versus Rampage Brown and this is Rampage Brown debut in NXT UK. At the start of the match we see Stars trying to bring the fight to Rampage but his power proved to be too much for Jack. We see Jack begins to once again build momentum but then he stops it with the Samoan drop. Then he hits his finisher for the win. So this match was ultimately a squash match for Rampage Brown. We knew he wasn't going to come in and have a five-star match. We just They just pretty much wanted to show us what Rampage Brown was capable of. I don't really think this shows what he's capable of. Yeah, he was dominant in this 
match. But let's see how he'll do against someone as a caliber of Walter or Pete Dunne or as an Ilja Dragunov. We, we want to see those type of matches. We don't want to just see him beat up some jobbers and then him go on to, you know, look big and stuff. We want to see him fight big guys to see if he can hang with those guys. So I just want to continue to see where Rampage Brown goes from here in NXT UK. But I guess it's a good win for his first match on NXT. Now we move on to Zaya Brookside versus Nina Samuels. We see quick offense by Zaya Brookside. Then both women begin to exchange holds and moves. We see Zaya then goes for a crossbody and Nina catches her into a backbreaker taking control of the match. We see Zaya finally try to build some momentum late match. But then Samuel goes for a cartwheel off the top rope. She ends up landing wrong so she hurts her leg. When you see segments like this you're like oh yeah she's about to play possum. But no Zaya Brookside ends up rolling her up for the win. So it made you think like is she really hurt? Then after the match we see the referees escort Nina Samuels out the ring and Zaya Brookside goes to check on her and that's when Samuels attacks and she just destroys Zaya Brookside just throwing her into the barricade the steel steps so I'm sure next week these two are gonna have some unfinished business because of what Nina Samuels did after the match now was Zaya Brookside supposed to win why can't they just have Zaya Brookside win cleanly and not like a, you know with an injury from Nina Samuels I hope that Zaya Brook can you know really really go up in NXT UK because she's phenomenal and so is Nina Samuels she's way more than Ginny I love Nina Samuels way more than I love Ginny uh, and you know I hate Ginny so much but now we're gonna move on to the last and main event of the evening our semi-finals of the Heritage Cup between Dave Mastiff and Trent Seven we've seen in round one it was a filling out process for both men no one was able fully able to mount some offense the round ends with both men colliding with stereo cross bodies so we always know that the first round of the Heritage Cup has been the filling out process for all men it's a super slow start both men are exchanging holds stuff like that that's always our first round this tournament we move on to round two where massive starts the round with a massive knee to the stomach of trent seven then he goes on the attack we see trent then rose up massive for the first fall so trent seven has one point added to his score in round three we see massive once again starts off the round hot and then massive hits an avalanche superplex for a near fall then trent gets hit with a knockout elbow but the round ends so he was pretty much saved by the bell unlike joseph connors who got knocked out with a lot of time still remaining now we move on to round four where trent collapses as soon as the round begins then dave mastiff hits a power bomb and then a cannonball to pick up his first fall so now these two are tied at 1-1 apiece we move on to round five where trent is still feeling the effects of round four we see trent then build some momentum he takes dave mastiff off the top rope in burning hammer position then he hits the burning hammer on dave mastiff to pick up the win so trent seven moves on to the finals to go against a kid and let me tell you my predictions right now are on fire when it comes to this heritage cup i felt like it was going to be a kid now i hope a kid wins the whole thing because if trent wins it he's obviously one of the workhorses of nxt he's obviously the face one of the founders of it so i hope a kid finally gets his you know opportunity to be a star and take over nxt uk all around like always it was a solid hour of nxt uk they always give you such good content just for the hour that they're allowed i prefer that i hope they don't like try to push it to two hours or anything else than that i think the hour for them is perfect it's an hour to give you know the superstars their time who you feel needs to get that shine now we move on to aew dynamite aew dynamite this week kicked off with brian cage versus matt seidel before the match ftw comes out we see that taz spots darby allen in the stands then he warns darby to stay away and he says the same goes for cody rhodes and then after that he started putting over matt seidel really hard just you know going over his accomplishments and saying he's one of the most profound wrestlers there are and i believe a matt seidel has you know made his way up he's made a name for himself 
himself after coming out of WWE. You know, he's done, he's done a lot in the wrestling world, and I give my props to him. Now we finally get to the match. We see Seidel with quick counters to gain the edge over Cage until Cage catches him in a corner. Then he starts to deliver vicious clotheslines to gain the control. We then see Matt Seidel try to build some momentum, but is quickly stopped by Cage. We see Brian Cage goes for a Huracarana, then Seidel counters it into a powerbomb. Then he goes for a Meteora on the outside because Brian Cage ended up rolling outside the ring. We then see Seidel in control. Seidel then goes back in the ring to hit a flurry. He then goes for his finish, but then Cage counters. Then he hits a clothesline. He goes for the drill claw, and then Seidel counters when a pin attempt to get the near fall. The end match with Seidel goes for a top rope neck breaker on Cage, who then catches him in suplex position. Then he hits the drill claw for the win. After the match, we hear Ricky Stark say that he is going after the TNT title now that he is ranked. He is ranked number five now. So it's good to see that Ricky Starks is finally ranked and now he can finally go after some championship goal. Now we move on to a Cody Rhodes in-ring promo. He says he's not seeking a TNT title shot. He wants a rematch with MJF. Then we see a woman go into the ring and we're all wondering, who is she? She then calls Cody Rhodes a liar. She says, why would you lie to the famous AEW audience? And she says, for those of you wondering, my name is Jade Cargill. She says she's tired of sitting on the side. Then she says she heard Cody call himself the giant killer. Then says, what do you know about that? There is nothing giant about you. Then says she knows a real giant. She says, Cody speaking has woke up this giant. She says, next time you think out loud, keep that shit to yourself. You should stop talking. Then she walks away, but then she congratulates Cody on just using one name. And she says, guess you couldn't go by one name. Then says the giant killer, his name is Shaq. And then we see Brandy come out pissed and said, who said this was open mic night, bitch? You said that you out here smacking your gums to my man on my show now you my problem and then you got to get your ass out of here and don't come back unless i send for you then we see brandy flick her hair and she tries to walk away and jade ends up smacking brandy's butt and then we see jeremy lynn instantly run out to try to contain things brandy rose was really fired up and let me tell you brandy rose is usually a nice woman i've met her in person before she's super nice so for somebody to come out here and make her come out of character which means brandy needs to keep this fire if brandy keeps this fire her character will go over so well but let's talk about the huge elephant in the room Shaq who cares Let, let's just throw that out there who cares I don't want to see Shaq versus Cody Rhodes I don't want to see Shaq versus anybody Shaq needs to just stay away I don't want to see this match I'm not interested in a Shaq versus Cody match I'm pretty sure none of you are because who cares about Shaq being on there Shaq being a giant he's a giant in basketball he's not a giant in wrestling there's giants in wrestling there's giant Gonzalez there's the big show there's Kane there's the great Kali there's Mark Henry those are giants he's just a giant in basketball and I have no interest in seeing Shaq on AW or seeing a Shaq AW match at all I just wanted to throw that out there I'm pretty sure most of you feel the same way I'm sure some of you are probably like Ray give this a chance I'm just like I don't really want to give this a chance I'm forced to watch it anyway so that way I can cover it for you guys but when it happens I'm not going to be excited about it because I feel like Shaq has no like wrestling experience you could do 10 years of training and I feel like Shaq wouldn't still have what it takes to be a wrestler but like I said those are just my opinions you might feel another way but after that we see Brian Cage attack Cody from behind then Ricky Starks come out to join the attack but then we see Darby Allen come to make the save they end up fighting them off and then at the end of it you know Will Hobbs comes out of nowhere why why did Will Hobbs come at the end and not to help them just fend off that lets me to believe that Will Hobbs is cooking up something remember how we talked about Will Hobbs you know not joining FTW but then him probably like sneaking in and he eventually will I feel like it's coming sooner than later I feel like Will Hobbs will join FTW and this show just just a little bit
bit because why not come out when Cody is getting beat up? Why not come out when Darby's fighting? Why come out after they're gone and then just to make an appearance? That's kind of suspicious to me. That boy's sus. So just look out for Will Hobbs because I know he's going to betray Cody and Darby Allen. Also, let me know what you guys think about Jade Cargill. I've never really heard of her. This is my first time seeing her. She looks like the complete package. She looks like she could be an amazing women's wrestler. I just have to wait and see what type of skill, what type you know of offense she brings to the ring. And you know, maybe I'll give my opinions on her next week if we see her again on AW Dynamite, which we will. I'm pretty sure of it. I really want to know what type of wrestler she is and what she's going to bring to this AW women's division. That's pretty much already stacked. Now we move on to the next match, which is the Natural Nightmares versus the Butcher and the Blade in a first time ever bunkhouse match. Before the match, we see John Moxley appear on the screen. He says he's looking forward to fighting Omega. He beat him once and he can beat him twice. And then they announced December 2nd will be Omega versus Moxley for the AEW world title. So we get it sooner than expected. We don't have to wait for revolution anymore. It's coming to us very soon. So now we move on to the match. We see the natural nightmares come out and then QT dives in the ring onto Blade to start the match. Then the tie changes for QT when Blade beats him with a belt. And then we see Dustin deliver a final reckoning onto Butcher through a chair. We see QT was setting up a table then Blade just blast him with a guitar. We see Dustin then involve a bull rope. Then he ties it around the Blade's neck and then Butcher hits him with a crossbody with a chair. And we see that QT is busted open from that guitar shot. Then we see the Butcher and the Blade handcuff Dustin to the ropes while they destroy QT Marshall with a ladder and a kendo stick. Then Ali grinds handcuffs into his head. We see that QT can't build any momentum, but then Butcher and the Blade try to attack Dustin again, but he hits them with a kendo stick, but he gets knocked off the apron and we learn that he's finally free from the handcuffs. We see Dustin building momentum by taking out both Butcher and Blade. Then he uses that ladder. Then Butcher and Dustin fight to the ramp. We see Butcher then look over the ramp. Then QT sprayed him with a fire extinguisher and Dustin bulldogged him off the stage through a wooden prop. We then see back at the ring QT and Blade are fighting both men bloody. Then he hits a flying elbow from the top, him being QT, for a near fall. We see Butcher and the Blade then build some momentum late in a match with the full death on Dustin through some chairs. Then they go for the pin, but QT stops it. The end match was Ali gets on the apron to taunt QT. Then Blade almost runs into her, but he stopped. Then QT ends up pushing the Blade into her, and she goes through a table that was set up earlier in the night. We then see Dustin hit Blade with a cowbell. Then QT hits a diamond cutter for the win. So we see the Natural Nightmares pick up the win over the Butcher and the Blade in the first ever bunkhouse match on AEW. And it was a really good match. It was hardcore. The blood was real. We seen Blade blading. You know what I'm saying? It, it was a really good match and I like that these two rivals had a really great match and I'm pretty sure this rivalry is over between them. Or maybe it's not, but for now I feel like it's over. So, we'll have to wait for the upcoming weeks to see what happens. Remember, they're both still in a tag team rankings, so anything can happen. Now we move on to the Inner Circle induction ceremony for MJF and Wardlow. It's crazy that Inner Circle debuted in October 2nd of 2019 with just five guys and now they're adding two more. It's pretty interesting. I want to see where this segment, where this storyline goes. I feel like it could be really good or it could be really bad. So far, it's been really interesting. We got the dinner debonair from Le Champion Chris Jericho and MJF, the ratings ruler. You know, they, they've been doing some magical stuff together and I feel like if he joins the inner circle, they could continue that magic. We also seen that Sammy Guevara didn't come out with the rest of the inner circle and it's pretty weird. Like I said, I feel like they're trying to phase out Sammy from the inner circle and we're getting a glimpse of that tonight with him not coming out with the rest of the inner circle. We then get a speech from MJF. MJF 
life is emotional. And then he says he's been doing this for five years and his father gave him a million dollar loan so he can get where he is today. Then he says he has a poem for us. And then when he reads the poem, you're like, what is that? Why does that sound so familiar? And then we learn that it's Drake because Ortiz takes the mic and says, really, Drake? You're going to use Drake as a poem? Then he says he doesn't want MJF in the inner circle. Then Jericho says, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, he has to do it. He, We have to make this work. If this was my fault, then it's my fault. But until then, we have to make this work, guys. And then MJF says, we're also here to celebrate your birthday, Chris. And then they celebrate. He then stops the party and says he has an announcement. And then he pulls out tickets and he says, I bought everyone tickets to Vegas. And that's how this segment ends. So I know next week we're going to get ourselves a Las Vegas segment with the inner circle. And I'm sure a lot's going to happen. After that, we get the Young Bucks. They say next week they will face top flight. So next week will be the Young Bucks versus the debuting top flight on AW Dynamite. Now we move on to the next match of the evening, a rivalry that's been brewing for a while now. Sean Spears versus Scorpio Sky. We see both men going back and forth early. Sky then takes control when the fight spills to the outside. Then Sky tries to go up to the top. Then Spears races to the top to hit a belly to belly to then take control. We then see Sky try to build some momentum, but Spears instantly stops it. We see Spears go for a C4, then Sky counters it and then goes on the attack. Sky then jumps off the steel steps for a dive, but eats a super kick. Then Spears drops him onto the steel steps. We see at the end, Tully Blanchard distracts the ref while Spears is loading up that glove and then he throws a fake slug in there. Him being Tully Blanchard, he threw like a decoy, which threw everybody off and then he hits Scorpio Sky with that glove to win the match. So what a great ending to the match. We, we love Sean Spears as a heel. I love him as a heel at least. I think that, you know, it was a great way to end it. These two have been rivalries for a while now. I'm sure this rivalry is nowhere near over. It's probably going to transition to like a hardcore match or a Noah Holds Bar, which is pretty much the same thing, but they always try to make it seem like it's something different. And then after the match, we see the referee like checking Sean Spears, checking that glove, but Tully Blanchard already took off the glove, um, well, took off the slug from the glove, and the referee was just like, well, there's nothing on it. There's nothing suspicious. I guess, you know, you are the official winner. So we know that Spears is just the heel that AEW needs. They, he's doing a great job as a heel. And we know Scorpio Sky has been built up. And I'm sure Scorpio Sky is not going to let this deed go undone. It's basically like the Braun Strowman Keith Lee thing. Braun Strowman cheated to win. And Keith Lee ain't never going to let that go. And that's going to be the same thing with these two men. So don't be surprised if you see these two fight again next week in like a, a like I said, a no holds barred match. And then we see Scorpio Sky end up picking up the win. I'm calling it. Don't be surprised when it happens because it's going to happen. We then head backstage where Dasha is supposed to be interviewing Kenny Omega, but we learn that Omega had ran out. They then pan back to Alex Marvez who catches up to him. He's then asked how does he feel about learning that his match is December 2nd. And Kenny Omega says, I'm glad that it's coming sooner than later. He says John holds something he needs. He says John took everything for him. He took the face on the magazines and the number one wrestler in the world. Then he says he hears the whisper, people asking, where's the cleaner? Where's the best bout machine? Then he says it's time to get all of that back. So we've seen a preview of the cleaner. So now we're going to get the cleaner and the best bout machine, Kenny Omega. I think AEW stock is about to rise because this guy is really about to show out. This guy puts on seven star matches back in Japan with Okada, with guys like Naito, with guys, you know, who, who are talented just like him. So I hope we do get the cleaner and the best bout machine, AEW. I feel like he's going to take that title off of John Moxley before Moxley even reaches a year as champion. Now we move on to the co-main event of the evening. It's Red Velvet versus Tay Conti. We see both women with a quick start. No woman really able to take control until Tay Conti builds some momentum to take control 
roll over Red Velvet. We also see Tay Conti showing off her strength with a deadlift suplex. Red Velvet can't build any momentum and then we see both women start to exchange some ground and pound. And then that momentum carries over for Red Velvet when she when we come back from the break. Then both women hit a double roundhouse kick to knock each other out. Then Anna J slides a chair in the ring but Tay Conti kicks out the chair. Then she eats a leg Larry and almost gets rolled up. We then see Red Velvet build some late match momentum. She tries to throw a kick at Tay Conti but she ends up countering it and then she gets hit with a pump kick. Then Tay Conti hits a spinning knee to pin Red Velvet and pick up the win. And after the match Anna J looked a little upset that she didn't use the chair but she was like hey at least you still won the match. So I don't know if Tay Conti is going to join the Dark Order. It's been eluded. It's been teased so I don't know what's going to happen yet. These two women seem to be on the same side but had different visions on how things should go. We then head backstage where the new inner circle is being interviewed. Then we see Sammy come out of nowhere and says, you tricked me. You sent me to the beach. So we learn that MJF has sent out emails and instead of giving Sammy the second one, he sent them only one which sent them to the beach. Sammy is infuriated at this point. He then asks, did anyone else get a second email? Then everybody's like, yeah, we got a second email. And MJF says, man, I must have not sent it to you. I'm so sorry. Then Chris Jericho realizes that Sammy Guevara is heated. So he just tells him like, listen, calm down. We'll get through it. We're going to Vegas, baby. And then they walk away. But then we see MJF step up to Sammy. Then he says, I sent you that email, but here's your ticket. It's Vegas. It's on me. So MJF, he, he's playing the part. He's tricking Sammy Guevara and no one else seems to realize it. And MJF is going to be the reason why Sammy Guevara slides his way out of the inner circle. It's there. It's being teased. It's, it's, it's right in front of our faces. If you don't think it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And remember, MJF uh, beat Jericho to earn this spot while Sammy Guevara lost to Matt Hardy and be deleted. Matt Hardy also said like, hey, listen, Sammy, this is a second chance. Make sure you use it to your advantage. So we could see Sammy leave the inner circle sometime this year or next year. It's bound to happen. I'm telling you. Now we move on to the main event of the evening. Ray Phoenix versus Pentagon El Cero M2. And before the match, we see Eddie Kingston come out. He says that Mox made him quit and that's something he has to live with but he will be world champion someday so eddie kingston admitting that you know john finally beat him he made him quit but he still has the goal of being world champion someday and that's a goal that he should have and he should be world champion someday in AEW. i hope they see that and if it's not AEW, i hope it's another company you know somewhere small somewhere good where eddie kingston can hold the championship proudly now we move on to the match it was a quick start and a flurry from both men then both men exchange big moves till no man is able to take control we see penta then rips his brother's mask off his face and then he turns the match into his favor so we know that luchador and lucha libre the mask is the most important thing and we see penta ripping his own brother's mask off his face so that's a lot of disrespect we know these two have a rivalry but not to take it this far to go and disrespect the tradition of lucha libre in triple a wrestling if you even attempt to pull off the mask it's an automatic disqualification now it's obviously not the same way in AEW. But Ray Phoenix and Pentagon know that the masks are sacred. We then see the fight spill to the outside during picture in picture. We then hear Eddie Kingston and Excalibur arguing on commentary. Now, I don't know if it was a real argument or was it a fake argument, but it sounded real to me. I didn't really jot down what they were arguing about because it was kind of hard to hear what they were saying because of the commercial break. But when we got back from break, we seen Phoenix build some momentum. Then Phoenix rips off Penta's mask and then both men slug it out once again. We see Phoenix gain the upper hand. Late match, we see Penta hit a package pile driver onto the apron, then a Canadian destroyer on the floor. He then tosses his brother back 
in the ring to set up for another package pile driver, which he hits to win the match. So it is 1-1 between the brothers. Ray Phoenix won, Penta won. Both of these brothers have a win over each other. I know this isn't the end of this rivalry. It will go to a third match, and that's going to be another phenomenal match. This match was really good. Another good match from these two brothers. I didn't expect any less. We then see Eddie Kingston go to the ring and tells Penta he doesn't need his brother anymore. He's dead weight. And then we hear the music. We hear the bastards music. We see Pac make his return. He says, you thought he was going to be gone forever? Now you've made an enemy. And then he charges at the ring, but the officials stop a potential brawl. We learn next week that Pac will go against the Blade. So if Pac is back, it's going to be his first match back next week. And I'm really happy to see him back. I thought he was going to come back at full gear, but he didn't. And I know him and Eddie Kingston are going to have some words because before Pac left, he had Death Triangle with the Lucha Brothers. And then once he left, Eddie Kingston took him so that way they can join the family. So there's going to be a heated rivalry between these two guys and maybe that whole entire faction. I can't wait till this implodes into something. So that ends AEW this week. We got some interesting stuff that happened on the show. We got Cody versus Shaq, even though I don't give a crap about it. We're getting the cleaner and the best bout machine back. We got the bastard pack back. We have ourselves a good buildup right now for AW Dynamite, and I can't wait till the following weeks, and I can't wait to see where all of this goes next week. Now, we're gonna move on to our final show of the evening, SmackDown Live. This week, SmackDown kicked off with Roman Reigns. Roman calls SmackDown the island of relevancy. Says it's relevant because of him. Look at Jey Uso. He then says he'll go on to beat Randy Orton, WWE secondary champion. And then we hear Drew McIntyre's music plays, and Drew comes out. He says Roman won't be facing Orton. It will be Drew versus Roman at Survivor Series. He also mentioning eliminating Roman at the Royal Rumble to win the whole thing. Drew says Roman disappeared and someone had to step up. Then he says he's the man now. Roman then goes on to say he respects him and everything he said was true, but he's back now. They don't know who Drew is anymore because nobody watches Raw. Not even I watch Raw. Then we see Jey Uso run out and snatches the mic. He then asks Drew, what's he doing here? Then he says everyone who disrespected his family got it. He then challenges Drew to a one-on-one tonight. Then Drew was going to accept, but then Jey Uso drops the mic. So it upsets Drew McIntyre, who then shoves him. Jey Uso tries to rush up to his feet to confront Drew McIntyre, but Roman Reigns then sticks his arms out like, not right now. This isn't going to go down right now. And then they leave with Drew McIntyre in the ring. Then we head to a commercial break, but once we head back from commercial, we see Roman in the back yelling at Jey Uso. He says, he run this. This all his. He says, nobody told you to come out and handle any of my business. You don't make the matches. I do. But you came out and made a match for yourself. Then Jay says he'll fix it, and Roman says, well, you better fix it. So, I like that we see a more angry Roman Reigns towards Jay Uso, not the I love you. A more angry. He's telling him, like, yo, you don't make these rules. You don't come out and try to handle my business for me. I handle my business. I'm the head of the table. So, it's good to see that Roman is still having that character, and he still holds control over Jay Uso, and Jay Uso can't do anything about it. Now, we move on to the next match of the evening. Well, our first match of the evening, Sami Zayn versus Apollo Crews for the Intercontinental Championship. Sami says he learned an hour before the show started that he had to defend his title. He said he knew this would happen. They're out to get him, and they don't want to see him as the champion on SmackDown. Now we move on to the match. We see Sami starts off hot. Then Apollo shuts his momentum down to build his own. Apollo then throws Sami Zayn out of the ring, and as he falls out the ring, he rips off the apron. Apollo goes out to bring him back into the ring, and Sami Zayn trips him into the apron, so he hits that metal under the ring. We then see him put Apollo Crews' leg inside it and then tie it up. He then runs back in the ring and a 
Apollo gets counted out. So we see Sami Zayn winning with an underhanded tactic to keep Apollo out the ring to get counted out. So I don't think none of this is going to work against Bobby Lashley at Survivor Series. I feel like it's going to be a really quick match between Bobby Lashley and Sami Zayn. But I hope at least, you know, it's a good quick match. Not like, you know, just a regular he locks on the hurt lock and ends the match. Sami needs to have some momentum going into this match. And I feel like this was the momentum he needed for himself. Not saying, you know, he could have, you know, he should have won cleanly. But I guess a win is a win for Sami Zayn and who he is at the moment. We head backstage where we see Drew McIntyre talking to Adam Pearce. And Adam Pearce gives Drew McIntyre what he wants tonight, which is Drew McIntyre versus Jay Uso. Then we head to another backstage segment where Rey Mysterio is being interviewed about his final chapter match tonight with Seth Rollins. He says that Rollins is the devil and tonight this will end. And I pray that this will end. I've been waiting for this to end. And I hope that this is the last time we ever have to see the Mysterio family with Seth Rollins. Now we move to the ring where we have an in-ring promo from Sasha Banks. She says it feels good to prove the haters wrong and says she's going to put the women's locker room on notice. Then Bailey comes out and while Sasha has her back turned, she turns around into a super kick from Carmella and then a face buster. So we didn't see any interaction between Bailey and Sasha. We see an interaction once again for the second week in a row between Carmella and Sasha and it doesn't end in Sasha's favor at all. So now all I'm having is triple threat vibes between these three women. Then again, I don't think Bailey and Sasha should still be going at it. They saw this rivalry. This rivalry should have ended at Hell in a Cell and SmackDown last week when Sasha Banks retained. Now, Carmella understands, you know, she had her moment. She was the women's champion before. She cashed in that money in the bank. And now she's trying to come back to it. I get it. She's untouchable. They want to build her up. And I think it'll be a good feud between her and Sasha Banks. Let's just keep Bailey out of it for now. Then we head backstage where we see Ziggler and Rude making fun of Otis for losing his money in the bank and his best friend. Then we see Otis get upset and flips the table that he was sitting on while he was eating. So we now head to the ring where we see Otis versus Dolph Ziggler. We see Dolph Ziggler smack Otis. Then that fires him up. He begins to go on the attack. Bobby Roode tries to distract Otis and Ziggler hits the zigzag but gets a near fall. Then Ziggler goes for a super kick but Otis catches it. Then he hits a slam. Then the caterpillar. He then drags Dolph Ziggler to the corner to hit his Otis splash for the win. So, so far on SmackDown, we have two quick matches in a row. We had Sami Zayn beat Apollo Crews with a countdown in like three minutes. And then we have Otis versus Dolph Ziggler, which ends in about the same time. So I don't know what SmackDown is doing tonight. They're not giving you any long matches at all. I think the long match is supposed to be just the Seth Rollins and the uh, Rey Mysterio feud. I think that's probably going to be the only long match tonight. Other than that, all the matches have been short so far. After that, we head backstage where Otis saying he didn't lose his way. Then we see Chad Gable come up to him and talk to him. He says he can help him unlock the potential he needs. Then he gives him a pamphlet for the American Alpha Academy. So are we going to see something happen with Otis? Are we going to see Chad Gable become Otis's manager? Is he going to truly help him unlock that potential? I mean, I guess I'll just have to see where this goes because it could be interesting or it can just die off like everything else Chad Gable has done. Now we move on to the Seth Rollins versus Rey Mysterio final chapter no holds barred match. At the start of this match, Rey Mysterio comes out the gate swinging. We see Rollins tries to stop the momentum but can't. Mysterio then jumps on Seth who's on the apron but Rollins catches him. He was gonna drop Rey on the outside but Rey Mysterio reversed it into a DDT onto the apron. Then he repeatedly launches him into the barricade. Then we see Rollins finally build some momentum when he launches Rey into the steel steps. But when he tries to put Rey through the announce table, Rey reverses it with a sunset bomb into a barricade. We see Mysterio go for a dive on Rollins who then catches him and suplex him onto the table turning the match into his favor. Mysterio finally builds 
some momentum once again, but when he goes for a bulldog, his back ends up hurting because he was crashed onto the announce table, which allows Seth Rollins to recover. Then he launches Ray in front of his family. Then he hits him with the steel steps. We then see Seth was going for a curb stomp on the steel steps, but decided to taunt the Mysterio family, which allowed Mysterio to counter the curb stomp. Then he slams Rollins onto the steel steps. We see Ray was going to put Rollins through a table, but Rollins ends up countering, then powerbombed Ray through a table for a near fall. At the end of the match, we've seen Rollins try to put a chair in Mysterio's eye, but Dominic pulls Rollins out, but then eats a super kick. So right now, Seth Rollins has taken Dominic Mysterio out of play with that super kick. We then see Buddy get in the ring to help Seth Rollins, but he ends up giving Rollins a flying knee. Then Rollins ends up being hung up on the ropes. Mysterio goes for a 619. He misses the first one. He botched it so bad. Then he has to do it again, and then he finally hits the 619. Then he goes up. He does the little shake for Eddie Guerrero, and then hits the frog splash for the win. So this chapter is finally over between these two. It was a really good match. I told you this was probably going to be one of the longest matches. My notes aren't that long because, you know, I don't have to write every single detail. But this match was really good. It was a good final match between these two men. And I'm glad it's over. I'm glad we don't have to see Mysterio and Rollins face off in the same ring for a stupid storyline. You know, we went through the kid storyline, him saying that Aaliyah is not really his daughter and all that other stuff. I'm glad that all of this is over. At the end of the match, Ray tells Buddy to get in the ring and face him like a man. He says, you're looking for my approval? Well, here it is. And then he extends his hand to Buddy. They shake it. And then Dominic does the same exact thing. So now the Mysterio family accepts Aaliyah and Buddy Murphy's love into the family. She ends up writing to him and giving him a big hug. I don't know how I feel about that, but then again, I don't care about it too much either. But we all know that Seth Rollins is not going to let that go undone. So I, I think that we're going to have ourselves a Buddy Murphy versus Seth Rollins feud incoming. After that, we head backstage. Natalia is talking to Adam Pearce. She says she doesn't want to earn her spot. She wants Pearce to just put her on the team. She's the boat. She's the best of all time. But he then puts her in a triple threat match instead, and then she leaves. They then pan to the left of Adam Pearce, and we see Chelsea Green smiling. Then we see Seth Rollins go to Adam Pearce complaining about Murphy's betrayal, then says, I created him. I need to be allowed to destroy him. And then he walks off. So like I said, we're going to have ourselves a little buddy versus Seth Rollins feud coming up soon. We move on to the next match of the night, which is our co-main event. It's Tamina versus Liv Morgan versus Natalya in a triple threat match to qualify for the women's team at Survivor Series. Before the match truly begins, the announcer says there's been a change to this match. It is now a fatal four-way. And then we see Chelsea Green come out. So now this match is a fatal four-way. At the start of this match, we see all women attacking Tamina early. And then Tamina fights off all women. Then she eats a drop kick by Liv Morgan from the top rope to change the tide. We see Natalya and Liv Morgan battling for control until Liv hits a face buster on Natalya to get the near fall. And mind you, at this point, we haven't seen Chelsea Green or Tamina. We've seen Tamina and Chelsea Green early in the match. Chelsea Green was knocked off the apron by Liv Morgan. And ever since that, it was just Liv Morgan versus Natalya this whole match. I thought it was just a one-on-one. Then we finally see Tamina slide in the ring. And as soon as she gets in, she eats a little cold breaker from Liv Morgan. And then Liv Morgan gets the one, two, three to join Team SmackDown. So we see Liv Morgan advancing with her friend Ruby Riot and Bianca Belair. So, so far, three solid women on that team. And there's still two spots to fill. And I know they're not going to fill all these spots this week. So next week, we're probably going to have more matches to fill in those spots. So after I watched this match, I did some research. And I learned that Chelsea Green had broken her wrist during this match when Liv Morgan kicked her off the apron. It was unintentional. I don't think Liv broke her wrist. But I think the way she fell, she ended up landing on her wrist. Which is why Chelsea Green wasn't in this match at all the rest of the match. So I just wish Chelsea Green a speedy recovery. And I'm glad 
glad she's on SmackDown. Hopefully, when she comes back from that injury, she can get back that, you know, that spotlight that she truly deserves. After that, we head to a backstage segment where we see Big E gambling backstage once again. Then the Street Profits make their presence known. They're saying they got a gift for Big E. It's revealed to be food, but they are all in the form of an L. Then the Street Profits say that's what the New Day is going to take if they don't make it past the Hurt business. Then E starts to go all crazy on the Street Profits. He calls them a knockoff New Day and then he laughs and so do they. When he leaves, all the laughing stops and Montez Ford and Angelo Dawkins have more of a serious face. So I hope the Street Profits bring their A game if the New Day does make it past the Hurt business, but I don't think they're going to make it past the Hurt business because I don't want them to, but they might. Who knows how the writing goes here. Now we move on to our main event of the evening, Jay Uso versus Drew McIntyre. We see McIntyre overpowering Jay early. Jay was unable to build any momentum until he surprises Drew with the kick when he was entering the ring to change the tide for the time being. We see a back and forth contest between both men pulling out all of the stops. Drew went for a claymore, but Dre rolled out. Then the fight was on the outside. We then hear Roman's music hits and then he walks down the ramp distracting Drew. Then Jay told Roman, I can beat him. But Roman then pulls him out of the ring once he tries to slide in. He says, I don't care if you can. I just want you to teach him a lesson and make him understand. Then Jay goes in the ring and rains down some big shots. He then gets up and turns his back. But when he turns back around, he eats a claymore out of nowhere. Then he gets pinned for the one, two, three. We then see Drew immediately go out the ring and go face to face with Roman and says, you understand me now? And then Roman shakes his head, yes. But then Roman says, you get one of these and we'll talk Sunday. So in order for Roman versus Drew, Drew McIntyre has to beat Randy Orton on Monday Night Raw this week. And I hope he does so that way we can get this match between these two guys. So SmackDown this week was pretty disappointing. All their matches were short. They had three short matches this week. The only long matches they had was Rey Mysterio versus Seth Rollins and Jey Uso versus Drew McIntyre. Those both went over 10 minutes. So I don't know why they had to add those short matches tonight, but SmackDown to me just was eh. And they're still missing some spots on the men's SmackDown team and the women's. So we still have to wait for those to be filled out next week. So now that wraps it up for all wrestling shows this week. I was unable to get AW Dark results because I don't want to place it in there yet. Like I told you guys last week, I'm still trying to figure out a way to put AW Dark's results in how I'm going to go about it. So until I figure that out, we won't have any AW Dark conversations on this podcast for the time being but it will come back eventually. All around, this week's wrestling was okay. I think AEW was the star of all the wrestling shows this week, and I really like the build of AEW has. NXT was okay. We had, you know, a new North American champion crowned in Leo Ruff. I know that's not going to last too long. But other than that, we we have Survivor Series coming up, and that's the most important thing so far to me. Now, let's just take this out for a second. We know Undertaker's going to be a Survivor Series. SmackDown is missing one last person. Do you think Undertaker's going to be the last teammate on Team SmackDown? I don't know. It's just a rumor for me. It's just me throwing out, you know, my prediction is not really a rumor. But I feel like if they do that, then that's probably the way to send out Undertaker for his 30th and final wrestling show ever. We also have a big Raw uh, coming up on Monday. We have Randy Orton and Drew McIntyre for the WWE Championship. And then we have the Hurt Business versus a New Day for the Tag Team Championship. So Survivor Series card could change around a lot depending on who wins any of those matches. So with that being said, let me know who you think is going to win that Survivor Series. Are you going for Team Red or are you going for Team Blue? Me personally, I'm going for Team SmackDown. I've been a SmackDown fan for a long time. Raw is okay. They always have a superstar team, but they end up losing. Both teams right now are in shambles 
close, but we'll just have to wait and see. So if you want to let me know who do you think is going to win this match or Survivor Series as a whole, let me know on Twitter at Wrestling From or on Facebook at Ray Colazzo. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been Wrestling From the Crowd, Episode 11. I just want to take the time and say thank you all for listening and thank you all for supporting me on this journey. Now, I bid you adieu. Have a good morning, good evening, good night, wherever you are. Thank you for listening.